Lord Jesus, thank you just for the way that you're working by your spirit, the way that you're reminding us of your saving power, of your resurrecting power, the way that you draw us deeper and deeper. Lord, these words are so simple. Love God, love others. And yet, Lord, we confess they're so hard. I pray that you would show us. I pray that you would strengthen. I pray that by your spirit, you would illuminate these words. I pray that by your spirit, you would illuminate our hearts. You would open up the eyes of our hearts, God, that you would help us to see the way. Lord, we trust you to speak today. I pray that you would be a filter. You would be able to use me, Lord, as an instrument of your grace, God. I pray that we would all be encouraged. And that whatever you would have for each of us, God. That right now, God, we would lean forward. That right now, God, we would unplug from all the distractions, all of the the things of this world that, that surge us, Lord, we would just be ready to hear from you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. So, as I was thinking about this sermon today and, 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 and what we're going to talk about, You've probably heard this here at Cornerstone, this conviction that we have that Jesus changes everything. Have you heard this? Yes. And as you've been thinking about this and, and, and asking this question and, and, and believing this convic conviction, perhaps you also maybe have a bit of a tension, this idea that if Jesus truly does change everything, why hasn't anything changed? If Jesus truly does change everything, why hasn't anything changed? I get this. I hear this. It gets me all excited, but I look at my life. I look at, I, I look at the, the things that I struggle with, and, and to be quite frank, nothing seems to change. Wanted to talk about this today because I believe this is a tension that we find ourselves in regularly. The tension that we live in. And today, I believe that the way out of this tension is obedience to what we call the great commandment. In the passage that Marv read to us, you see the Lord is being tested by these guys named the Pharisees. And in the context, he had just roasted another group of people called the Sadducees on the resurrection. The Pharisees show up, they're these religious leaders, and they're asking Jesus, trying to test him, trying to catch him. And, and they know the law, they know the Torah, and they're, they're coming to Jesus and they're saying, all right, what's the greatest commandment? We got the Torah, there's all these laws, and there's been all these debates about what the greatest commandment is, and Jesus just drops his bomb on them, and he basically says, in summary, the greatest commandment is love God. And second, love people. Love God, 
love people. He says all of the law, all of the Torah is summed up in these truths. And this makes sense if you go and you remember the Decalogue, the, the Ten Commandments. It's broken down really in two parts. The first four commandments, love God. The next six commandments, love each other. How we love God, how we love each other. This is what the law is about, helping us. And when Jesus says to love God, we don't just love God with part of us. We don't just love God on Sunday mornings. This is to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Second, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the question that the church, I believe, has been asking ever since Jesus dropped this bomb is how do we do this? How do we live this out in light of these truths? And I want to share with you what I believe to be I'll call Cornerstone's convictions. In light of of this call for the people of God to love God and love others. How do we do this? How does this play out? And so today we're going to be really practical, really pragmatic. I just preached the word part. There's not a lot that we need to break down when it comes to God's commandments of love God and love others. It's that. Love God, love others. The question is, how, here in Chowchilla, California, do we love God and love others? We've prayed about this. We've had vision meetings about this. Every church has mission statements about this. What does it look like for the people of God to love God and love others? And I believe it comes down to three basic needs that we need. Three basic needs that we need to practice and apply to our lives to help us to love God and love others. The first is this. We need to worship together. We need to worship together. We call this church. Now when I say church, I'm not talking about a building. The word church in scripture, ecclesia, is the people of God, the gathered people of God who are called out to worship together. Now some people say, okay, Logan, I get that. That's how you love God. But I don't got to go to church to be a Christian. You ever heard that? I don't got to be a part of church. As a matter of fact, I, I, I've heard it said, you know what, I love Jesus, but I got a really hard time with the church. I love this quote from Tony Evans as, as, as he talked about this. He said this, I hear people say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they are absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone, but you don't have to go home to be married. But you stay away long enough and your relationship will be affected. <laughs> Scriptures tell us that, that the church is the bride of Christ. The gathering of people. Always when we look at the Lord talking to his people and giving this commandments, it's always in the context of a covenantal community. A people that are together. A people that are going through life together. Stirring each other up. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope, to our faith, without wavering. For he, Christ, who promised is faithful. And it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good words, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another 
all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's this call in the church to not neglect meeting together, to encourage. There's this, it's this, the verb here in Greek is this ongoing challenge to the people of God to be stirred up and encourage one another. And we see this in the story of the church through the rhythms of, of worship, public corporate worship together. I've experienced this time and time again where oftentimes I'll come on a Sunday and to be honest, I don't really want to be here. But I'm like you, I have to be here. <laughs> and there's something about the gathered people. Sometimes it's not even the sermon or the prayer. It's just hearing the church sing together. It's hearing the room and the voices all lifting each other up and speaking truths. I speak. Jesus, resurrected king, is resurrecting me. Great is thy faithfulness. Amazing grace. And there's something about the gathered church, the skin being in the room together, that is incredibly important to our faith and experiencing Jesus changing everything. The way that we structure our, 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 the liturgy of our service, right? We always start with the gospel welcome. We want everybody to know Jesus changes everything. So no matter how bad your week was, no matter who, what you did, no matter what kind of sin you're struggling with, we come to Jesus and we believe he changes everything. The songs that we sing, they're all about God. They're all about his power, his work. The prayers that we pray, they're not meant to be just listening to Andrew pray. We pray them together as the people of God. We pray for Brother Glenn. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for our city. There's this gathering, and, 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 and there's, there's nothing like doing it together. This is so important. You see, we, we live in a digital world. This is the reality that we now live in, right? And it can be very easy to forget about the power of analog. Anybody here have a record player? I've heard that there's this movement in like the hipster generation of people that are like, you know what, I can download songs and do all these things, but there's nothing like grabbing an old record and sticking it on there and feeling it and hearing it. And it seems to me, I read this book called Analog Church. It talks so much about this, that, there, that in the digital age, the church is not meant to be about in information. We are meant to be transcendent. That we're meant to be different. And the Lord is calling us, as, if we believe that Jesus changes everything, whenever you see this in Scripture, this call, it's always into covenant community. It's never by yourself. We are called to a personal right relationship with Jesus in community. And so we need the church. We need this. We need to be people that are not about watching. You're not here today to watch. Hear this church. You're here to witness. Do you see the difference? Witnessing is saying, yes, I see that, and I've had that. Witness is saying, you ever had somebody talk about something, right? Or if you're at school, right? Talking to my middle school boys here. And there's a fight. What happens at the fight? Everybody wants to run and they want to see it for themselves, right? This is what we do at church. Jesus changes everything and I want to be here. I don't want to miss what Jesus is doing. Amen? And so I could watch that online. I could check that out later. But there's something about the covenantal community saying, I need to be in the rhythms every single week of being a part 
of this covenantal community. Alan Noble, in his book, The Disruptive Witness, he says this, the greatest witness in the world will always be the body of Christ gathered to worship. Which means that churches and denominations need to consider well what it means to bear witness in a distracted, secular age. This is the reality of what we live in. We live in a distracted, secular age. So the question I would say as we think about these convictions is maybe you think if Jesus truly does change everything, why hasn't anything changed? Perhaps you've neglected this important conviction that we need to worship together. This is something that we need in our growth. Second, we need each other. In the name of our church, Cornerstone Community Church, that word community is rooted in a word called commune. This is in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. You see, our belief is that when you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, when you say, I am a Christian, I am a follower of Christ, you are baptized into his church. You become a part of the body of Christ. You become a part of a spiritual family. And there's no difference, Jew or Greek, male or female. We are all united together and we need each other. The scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians 12 that each of us have gifts. That part of being communion in communion together is that we're not called just to consume. Church community shouldn't be like, you know what, what fast food drive through am I going to go through today? I, oh man, I don't want to go to that church because I'm not getting fed enough. I, that's not my style. In, 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 in the scriptures, the church are a people who aren't about consuming. They're about communing. Worship is not about watching. It's about participating. Amen? So as we think about this, I want you to hear this, is that we are called to be a people who need each other. You may be feeling a tension, Logan, but I've been coming to Cornerstone for years, months. And I love shaking someone's hand, and I love the hospitality, but Logan, no one knows me. I've been here this long, and people don't know about the, the struggles I'm having in my marriage. People don't know about the depression that I'm fighting, or, or the addictions, or, or the loss that I've experienced. And I would say... This is why we talk at agnosium about groups. Because we need each other, church, and, and we can't stir each other up and, and truly be faithful to our call to love God and love others if we are not in faithful community together sharing life. So this is why we're constantly calling you and constantly talking about who are your people. Got to see this just a few months ago. One of our dear brothers, Tommy, we passed away. Him and his wife, Fran, were in a community group that met on Wednesday nights, that fun and wild group that Doug talks about. Yeah. And 
Tommy and Fran were relatively new to the church, but they just jumped all the way in. I remember going to Tommy's memorial service and hearing about his life and hearing Pastor Doug give a wonderful message where he was honored. And then I looked around and I was like, what's he doing here? And what's she doing here? And, and I saw all of their community group at the service. I saw afterwards as Fran is navigating the loss of a wonderful marriage and her husband, of her group coming alongside and giving these hugs. I saw Miguel, a Hispanic brother in Christ, walking up to sweet Fran and just wrapping his arms around her and holding her and sweet Fran crying in his arms. Church, that's what I want to see for us. Church, that's what I want to see for you. Perhaps you feel this question, well, if Jesus is changing everything, why is nothing changing in my life? Perhaps it's because we've just been consuming and we're not really communing in faith community. We're not really, real, we're not really ready to share the struggles, to share the pain. And you've got to take that step and you've got to get in a group. And there's a group for every single flavor. And if none of those groups are for you, start your own. I don't care. But the church is meant to be. We need the church. We need each other. But don't miss this. We also need to serve together. This is what it means to be a people of the cross. What it means to be the people of the cross. You see, when Jesus was here on this earth and he was teaching his disciples, he constantly challenged all who follow him to truly follow his steps. And when he calls his disciples, he challenged them. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24, 25. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Look, look at this. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. You see the paradox here that Jesus is talking about? Jesus here is, he's talking to his disciples, and, he's, and people are wondering, Jesus, you changed everything, but nothing seems to change. He's saying, because you haven't embraced the way of the cross. Because your life has been about you and not about loving others. Because you've been so focused on your own issues or you've been saying, you know what? Before I start jumping in and I start serving or I start, I, I, I got to have my life figured out first. I got to kind of, you know, ha, ha, have a bit more regular attendance or I got to know the Bible. Or, and, and Jesus is just saying, no, the way that you follow, you need, if you are in church community, you need to be serving together. This is such a struggle for the church. It's such a struggle for us to know our place, and I would just encourage you and exhort you today as you think about this, if you are not involved, would you just consider how Jesus is calling you to serve? Would you just consider if possibly he's calling you to say, you know what, I can be a, a high school boys community, small group leader. You know what, I can join the junior high girls group. And if you're terrified by that, maybe just say, you know what, I'll help out with the kids group. 
and that sounds horrible, say, you know what, I'll be in the nursery. If you don't like people, saying, you know what, I'll go to the kitchen. <laughs> if you like guns, saying, you know what, I'll be on the security team. There's so much to do, church. We believe Jesus is changing everything, and there's this kind of, as, as your pastor, let me tell you this, it's kind of overwhelming Think about all the things that are going on. It's kind of overwhelming thinking about the ways that God is stirring and empowering his people. But I believe with all my heart that when he starts things, he supplies the people to do the work, and you're the people. Amen. And we have a garden, and we have all these things that we, we do together, and I would just encourage you, don't be on the sidelines. Step in and ask the Lord, how am I called to join in this movement, this kingdom movement? And as you look at this, and as you think about this, I want you to hear this. I do not want today to be, oh, that was the commercial Sunday. When Pastor Logan goes up there and he tells everyone you need to be at church, got it. You need to be in a group, you need to serve, got it. Think about our logo. Cornerstone logo has three aspects, right? What's in the center of that logo? not the group you're in, not the service you do. It's not even the church you go to. It's Christ. Amen. And we must not forget this church because if we focus so much, if we are like the most awesome people at being in groups and we serve the most incredible ways and, we, and, we, and this church is exploding with attendance and we have a hundred services, if Christ is not if his name is not lifted up, if he's not the one that's working, then we're just a big social club. Amen. And also, we need him. John 13, 34, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said this, a new commandment I give you. What? That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I, as I was reading this, the question I have is, why is this new, Jesus? We just read back in Deuteronomy, in the Shema, thousands of years ago that you told the people of God to love. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So what's new? The new peace, the new commandment is love as I have loved you. Do you see this? How has Jesus loved you and me? How is this different than our desire to love on ourselves? This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you see this? See, church, our name, Cornerstone, believes that Christ is the solid rock that we stand on. Believes that there will be days when we fail. Believes that there will be days when we do not obey. There will be days when we sin against the Lord, and yet Christ, by his blood, by his work, continues to invite us to forgiveness and redemption, and he uses us in spite of ourselves. And so every Sunday when we're here, we're reminded of this gospel. We're called in to be a people of grace. And so church, as you think on these, as you ask yourself, if Jesus changes everything, why is nothing changing? My biggest call to you is to say, 
You need Jesus. Our cornerstone is that we need Christ. We need Christ. It says in 1 John 4.10, if in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son to be the propitiation, that's a fancy word, for the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also do what? Ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we love one another. God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So I would just call you not to miss this. That we are called to be a people who commune with Christ himself and his grace. And it seems to me with this as the center point, we recognize this and then we think about these three aspects, these convictions that we have, and we think about how because Christ is our cornerstone and we come to church for worship and we're reminded that he is king, that he is the, that he is the king of our hearts, and, and we give him our struggles and we give him our service and we give him our ministry, and he leads us. And then we go to our group and we share our struggles or we, or we, or we, or we grow in his word. And Jesus, as the leader, the cornerstone, speaks into that through faithful community. And then we go and we serve and we, and we experience what it's like to be the very hands and feet of Jesus. And we experience his transforming power like, 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 like never before. I would encourage you and invite you to join in that movement. Do not miss that. What did Doug say? Now's the season. Now's the time. We need Jesus. We need the church. We need each other. We need to serve together, and we serve together because, listen, as a youth pastor, I used to take our youth on mission trips every single year. We'd also go on incredible road trips where we'd go to Great America, and we'd go to water slides, and we'd go camping. And do you know if I talk to... Kid you not, if you ask any one of my students about the most life-changing, memorable trip, it was never Great America. It was never the water slides. It was always service. It was always something about the people of God putting aside their own desires and their own own loves and just saying, we're going to serve together. I want to have that culture here. I believe we can do that. So today, as you reflect on this, I would just encourage you just to ask yourselves, how am I going to join in this work? For some of us, that may mean, man, I, I need to make a commitment. See, I need to be a part of the worship community. I need to come to worship, to church, on the days I don't feel like it. For some of us, it's, okay, I just got to try a group. Some of us, it's, I, I got to jump into service. Above all, beloved, you need Jesus. It's been a heavy week for me. This week, there was a, a dad who has kids that are the same age as my kids. 
plays football with them. Five kids. His name is Jonathan Brewer. All of a sudden, on a Thursday night, horrible motorcycle accident gone. Walk into their home on Friday morning. There's nothing that we can do for that. The answer in that circumstance is not go to church, is not join a group, is not serve. The answer is Jesus. All of those things help us in our wonder of Jesus. And I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know what's on your mind, but I would just encourage you not to miss the wonder of the Son of God. Not, not, not to miss the beauty. So I was sitting in the parking lot preparing for today. I was, this song came on that's just been really impactful on me. The song called, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. It says this. If my heart could tell a story... If my life would sing a song, if I have a testimony, if I have anything at all, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. His faithful hand has held me all this way, and when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth, let it be known in you alone my joy was found. Oh, my joy, my joy, let my children tell their children. Let this be their memory that all my treasure was in heaven. You were everything to me. Church, as we embrace this fall season and all the life and all the things that Jesus is doing, let's continue to sing this song. In a few moments, we're going to sing a song called I Surrender. It's a song just about our posture of surrendering to God our our lives. And I would just encourage you as a song is sung over you, if you want to join in that song, if you just want to surrender, if you want to come down and pray, come down. Let this be a Jesus place. A place where when we say that our name is Cornerstone, we know what that means. Amen? So, Lord, hear our prayers. Would you just pray with me? Lord, we surrender. Lord, we know that you have told us, that you've commanded us, that the, the best way to live that you created us in the garden, you put us in the garden to love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Lord, we just confess, we need your help with that. Lord, we confess sin has entered in and we, things have become fractured and, and, and maybe for some of us, we don't even know how to love you. I pray, God, in this moment, as we surrender to you, that you would stir in the hearts of your people. 
I pray, Lord, as we think about what you're doing here in Shachilla and in the valley and in the, as Andrew prayed, in the state and in the nation in this world, I pray, God, that it would start in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would do the business of communing together as we commune with one another. And I pray, Lord, that right now in this moment, we would just cast aside any burdens, leave them at your cross, and just receive your grace. You say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. We receive that and we surrender. And we pray this together. In the name of Jesus Christ, our resurrected King.